I really hope I don't have lettuce in my teeth because Drew, I went old school giant salad. Very good. And it was kind of a lot. My jaw's a little tired. Oh it took God. me a full 30, 30 minutes to chew that salad. I don't know if I've ever become tired from eating. You will if you eat a Brian Goulet salad. Let me tell you that much. I don't, I don't, that doesn't sound appealing to me. Oh, it's appealing. All right. Well, let us leave that one alone. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll kick this thing off. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here from the Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about storing pens that are full or empty. We're going to talk about best green inks, our favorite Goulet exclusive pens, past or present. So we'll be opening up the crypt or the tomb or the whatever we're talking about if silicone grease can mess up with your ink at all we're gonna have tip of the week on filling a piston filler we're gonna spotlight the conklin crescent and uh we got a bunch of nonsense and drew and i've been up to as we always talk about at the end so uh i think it's gonna be a pretty good show drew what do you think absolutely oh it's going to be the best one yet oh not the worst one yet for sure well no. somewhere somewhere in between best and worst there you go most mediocre pen cast that we've ever put out today. Yeah, right. I so, like that. <laughs> set your expectations in the middle. So let's start it out with a unreasonable amount of feedback. All right, Brian, we got a ton of feedback. I'm not going to read everything verbatim because there is a lot. But there's there a lot. Was I looked just, at the notes there and was, I was like, are we going to try I, to read all this? this no, no, no. I'm not going to read all of it, but I wanted to get the gist of it because some of it was just solid gold. I appreciate mm. everyone's comments so very much. I read every single one. While I may not respond to everyone, I read every single one as long as it's... no. I read every single one, actually. So first thing, I wanted to uh, mention that Lisa says, Hi, Brian and Drew. As a longtime PenCast viewer, turkey hammock emojis. Well, yes. two palm trees with a central turkey. Yes. Very much like the sticker. Love it, Lisa. Fantastic. It's not surprising that the YouTube algorithm would helpfully suggest um, more episodes to me. But then, I guess, I also got these random look-alike posers. See attached screenshots. Brian, I just sent you um, a picture of Lisa's recommended um, videos there. And it has the pen cast. And wow. then below the pen cast, you've got these, these atrocious-looking imposters. Mm. However... It's pretty clever because really it's, Henry Ca- it's Henry Cavill and Simon Pegg. I've actually watched this video talking about English slang. And Henry Cavill, with this luscious head of hair and a black shirt, is right below Brian. And then next to him is this goofy pale man wearing a blue <laughs> shirt with a funky pattern. And, and kind of a like, scruffy looking beard, too. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty it's, accurate. It's not way off the mark. I, no, it's not way off. I'll take it. So, I, oh, I'm sure you the, will. I'm yeah. sure you will. But, uh, no, I love Simon Pegg. He, he's, he's fantastic. I love everything about him. So I, I, I'll share this with you, too. But uh, I, I thought that was really funny. I don't, know, um, and I don't then, know Henry Cavill that much, but he's a beautiful looking man. I'll he, he's a that. handsome fellow. 
He's a handsome fellow. He mm. makes good stuff, too. Um, he's also a huge Witcher nerd, and I appreciate that being okay. one myself. All right. So I also told a really weird story, not worth repeating, about how my wife saw a squirrel with a bagel one time. Don't worry about it if you didn't hear it. But I did get some support about squirrels having been found with several random food objects. Of course. They're Jill, scavengers, yeah. They are, but, like, entire things. Somebody said he, they saw one with just a a long stem rose in its mouth just walking around like <laughs> he, he was about to like this, uh, Jill said that she saw a squirrel with a donut and then Anne told a story about how she has local scone squirrels in her vicinity because there is a scone bakery and scones often get stolen in fact she said <laughs> awesome. that um, she saw one store one high up in a tree before it finally blew down into my yard so I could throw it away <laughs> So, like, literally, she's seeing a scone up there. Like, Scones are raining from the sky. Sco- scone squirrel. Oh, that thing needs to fall so I can get it. And she finally, the, the randomly, the errant scone finally descended to terra wow. firma, and she was able wow. to throw it away. So I, I was not expecting the squirrel comments, but we got them, and I loved them. Definitely here for it. Hmm. I also asked, as we spoke about the Nib Chameleon sticker that we will soon be offering, what is a, an opposite? So if a nib chameleon is someone who can use a variety of different nibs and still be happy with them, what is someone who only sticks with one nib? And we got a couple of great suggestions. Gengar Official said it would be a nib fiend. Lindsay Lindbert said a nib curmudgeon. Actually, two people said nib curmudgeon. KT Verdun said a left-handed person, which I thought was funny because sometimes lefties prefer extra fine nibs for the dry time factor and the lack of smudgeability mm-hmm. beth said a nib rhino sarah said you could just call them nib picky instead of nitpicky yeah mm. alan said nib sloth they know what they're they know what's comfortable they don't really go anywhere else and then Kristen said nib zebra because they can't change their stripes hmm. all of them very very good and then finally we'll close out my little feedback nugget section with a comment from east wind on youtube and they said idea for hot ones goulet edition Drew asks Brian very pointed questions, which Brian must answer quickly and directly. One answer, no explanations or caveats. Every time he can't give a direct answer, he has to try the next hot sauce. Example, what is your favorite pen? Favorite three inks? What is the best Fast and Furious movie? Why are you the way that you are? What nib size is best? Which bear is best? What is the optimal amount of pockets in a pair of cargo shorts? Which is better, a corn dog or a sausage and a pancake? There is so many options. Wow. I love this because you can tell that East Wind has listened to just about every Pencast episode because... Uh, there's a lot of deep cuts in there. Yeah. <laughs> there there's a lot of deep cuts. <laughs> That's not all from one Pencast. That's no, like 12 certainly is different not. Pencasts tied together right there. Why are you the way that you are? Why are you the way God. that you are? <laughs> oh, that would just... I, I, I just... That would, that would kill Brian. So, like, he... I died a I little inside as you were reading those questions. I was like... <laughs> I don't know that I could do this. And I don't really like hot food. So I would have it have a, a cognitive dissonance in my brain saying, I can't make this choice, but I don't want hot food in my mouth. Right. It's like, what, what Fast and Furious is best? I don't know. Well, where am I? What day is it? What am I wearing? Like, what, what do you mean? Which fa- depends on what, what, what kind of yeah. food I've eaten, you know, the previous Tuesday, you know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, that's it for me. If you want to wow. Um, wow. cover some, Brian. This Great is good feedback. stuff, though. Great good feedback. Stuff. This is honestly like some of the favorite parts of what we do is getting to Absolutely. interact with you all. That's how we know we're doing something right, at least. Um, yeah, I got some feedback, too, here. So Ahmet says that uh, the Millennial Falcon joke made my day. Yeah. More dad jokes, please, sir. Ahmet, I 
will make sure to keep that firmly in mind. Isaac also says, best joke of the millennium. Thank you very much. Loving the support and praise on that. That will fuel my fire, my burning passion for helping Drew cringe face because I'm like the emperor in Star Wars. I just like suck the soul out of Drew as I tell these dad jokes. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I appreciate the trust that Brian has given me to pretty much, you know, select these questions and then have it. But so, so I, I want to maintain mm. honesty. There were a lot of people who apparently enjoy my suffering. So I wanted to put these comments in. I wanted to put nice. these in here because I, I don't want I don't want Brian to think that somehow I'm cherry picking. Mm-hmm. I would love to mm-hmm. have not revisited this. Well, but I, I, I'm I'm maintaining professional composure. I'm maintaining that's objectivity. Your- your integrity um, is admirable. However, also I would tell may, these jokes whether or not you put these comments in here. So you know you might as well. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Every time we're at a company meeting and he tells one of the things, he looks at me to see how much I've died inside. That is my gauge. Yeah, that is my it's gauge awful. for how well really I've told awful. the joke. I love it. Love it. Yeah. You're a good sport. I, to- I told somebody in the comments <laughs> that it, I felt like Wiley Coyote thinking he's fine, doing a good job, and then yeah. an Acme Rocket just comes and just slams him right in the skull and yeah and he's just left a char a charred mess of fur and eyeballs and that, yeah. was, that was me that was me yeah it's a looney tunes moment like when he runs off the cliff and he like continues running until he realizes there's no cliff anymore that was and me then felt, he drops felt, that's that's true that's unexpected I, unexpected I, tragedy yeah i love it uh, anyway. ariel says i pulled the o-ring between the grip and the body off my lami lami vista and the cap still snapped into place. What? But slightly less than usual. The O-ring inside the cap is definitely doing most of the work, but not all of it. As far as a name goes for the... Okay, so we're, I, think, I think we're transitioning here. So I think the O-ring helps with that, but that's not the sole thing. It's not, it's not the O-ring. There's like another snapping kind of mechanism in there. I think the O-ring helps to seal the nib and, you know, and all that, but uh, maybe gives a little bit of cushion, but I don't think that's what's actually causing the snap cap to uh to actually occur but anyway it's helping um, yeah it's doing something for sure i mean they're not just superfluously putting random stuff in the pen that doesn't need to be there um as far as the name goes for the filling john what word is that drew um filling john john j-a-w-n i don't know what that means in the pilot i'm thinking something simple not snappy pun intended clean fill Maybe I don't know what is it, what is it what are you talking about? You you were talking about the plat how the how the Procyon yeah, yeah, fills yeah. with the I called it the face sucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously um Ariel is trying to think of something even better, which is John possible. a word? Is that a typo or is that a word I, that I, I'm not familiar I with? I could be unfamiliar John. With it. John. No feeling John. I don't know. I like J A W N. I like the word. We should make it a thing if it's not already a thing. Filling John. All right. Anyway, uh, clean fill, maybe, unless the truck stop or gasoline pilot already used that. <laughs> nice. Um, in response to the face sucker on the Procyon oh, here, Mary. Look at this. Brian, yeah. J-A-W-N. Is it a thing? Used, used to refer to a thing, place, person, or event that one need not or cannot give a specific name to. <laughs> it's literally a name for the nameless. Yeah, like a thingamabob. That is awesome. I have never heard this word. I'm going to have to remember this. I word may, of the week. I may John. not. John. If you say it, it sounds like John, like the person's name, John. 
John. So you have to be like, you got to John. get that, L, that W in there, John. John. Yeah, you got to say it like with a Boston accent, like jo- yeah. John or Long <laughs> Island. Got to get yourself some marble columns. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's an SNL skit. If you haven't seen uh. that, it's really funny. Anyway, my family's all from New England and a lot of them sound like that, which is awesome. Um, okay, Mary said in response to the Procyon John face sucker, uh, why isn't that a feature on all fountain pens? That should just be standard, folks. Um, a lot of folks commented about it, apparently. So I agree. I don't know why more people don't do it. Probably, I'm guessing, it's more expensive. It's harder to do. You have to probably have a feed of a certain size in order to be able to make that happen. Also, um, a lot of people don't make their own feeds. They're buying feeds from Bach or Yovo or some other, you know, nib maker. So, you know, they would have to make it, but I mean, they, they could, it's, it's technically possible, I'm sure, but I don't know how economical it is on all pens. Like you see that on pilot pens, like the custom 74, but you don't see that on ones like the metropolitan and things like that. So I'm sure there's a price to be paid, but the Procyon is the most affordable one that I can think of that has the face sucker. So I don't know. It's one of those things that like. It really should exist more. Or maybe there's like a design thing. Maybe it's like a patent of some kind or something that is, you know, prohibitive and everybody would have to design their own custom one, which is probably very expensive as well. I have no idea, but it's pretty cool. But not a lot of people knew about it for one. So if people don't know about it, they can't ask for it. And if they can't ask for it, then manufacturers don't know how important it is to make it. So maybe we can start a movement here. Maybe we can be part of the revolution for pen companies to put these features on their pens. I don't know. Not making a promise. Face I'm just sucker saying, revolution. I'm just saying. Might need a might need a better name, more appealing name than a face sucker. I'm just saying that's, you know, fun for a pen cast, but doesn't have a lot of doesn't have a lot of catch to it when it depends to on how you say it. You have to say it with a more distinguished inflection. Oh, okay. Well yes. maybe I'll let you sales pitch that one to you know the powers that be you just need to get michael kane to do it and it'll be fine oh that would be that would be cool i would i would buy anything that man would talk about he's got an awesome voice anyway face shocker yes face <laughs> <laughs> there you go all right john not john but john says <laughs> i'm just lounging here in my turkey hammock enjoying the show when you brought up the platinum procyon and i got excited the Procyon was basically my first next level pen, and it was a revelation. Super reliable, beautiful to write with, attractive to look at, and with that built-in ink snuffler, another way to say it, uh, to allow filling from very low levels of ink. I had it inked up constantly for over a year before I gave it a rest. Now I want to go grab it up and ink it again. It's probably the pen I recommend the most to people wanting to step up their fountain pen game. There you go, John. You can join the face sucker revolution. That I, hope I that love this one because I hope that doesn't catch we, on. We That's... start we, we covered this because not a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. In last in last week's pen spotlight. Yes. And it it just goes to show that every well made fountain pen, even if it flies under the radar, is somebody's go to. Exactly. And I love that this is John's go to. This and is I, why I, this is why I can't make choices, Drew. Oh my God! Don't know, don't no no! Don't use I John know. as your indecisiveness crutch. John is a living example of just you know, it's out there for oh everybody. God. Anyway. Uh, last one I've got here, Robin had a really good question. So this is taken a little more on a serious note. Um, asked, says, Banu people, so the manufacturer Banu, uh, have elected to leave Russia, heading to Armenia. So they are a Russian 
manufacturer have been a Russian manufacturer until the invasion a couple of weeks ago started and they've been very very conflicted about everything that's been going on and they uh, have have put out there to the world that they are leaving um, and going to Armenia to establish and bring in their employees with them I believe um, so Robin asked I'm wondering if you know if they're safe and out of Russia Robin unfortunately I don't I have not gotten any kind of an update as you can probably imagine fleeing a country that is in the state of war is complicated and dangerous and communication can be tough so what I can say you know we talked about it like when the invasion first happened a couple of pencasts ago didn't really talk about it a lot last week but basically we are keeping tabs on what's going on we've gotten some people asking us like take Manu off your site because it's Russian and we want nothing to do with it I get that. It's a little more complicated and I won't get deep into it, but I'll touch on it just a little bit. So the, the folks from Banu, we've been working with them for years. They're really, really nice people and they are not in support of the Ukrainian invasion. They are not at all um, to their own personal risk and detriment. And that's all I'll get into about that. But um, they are, are, are literally leaving what they everything they know to get away from that, which is I, can, I cannot even really truly like absorb what that would be like if i had to just up and leave everything i've known my family everything i grew up with and go to an entirely different country and try and keep our business running i can't even fathom so i'm really not pressing them for a lot of updates because frankly they have a lot bigger things to worry about but they know we have uh you know are supporting you know them in principle whatever um what i can say is we have not placed a single purchase order we have had no money go to russia since this invasion happened anything that we have on our site is all paid for so if you are looking at anything on our site or buying a new pen that money is already it's already gone it's it's you're 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 not supporting anything that's going on at this point so really the only thing about it is the optics of having that brand on the site now and we adjusted some of the language on the site to even say you know, take off the Russian part because now they're not even in Russia. So quite literally, I don't know what the future is for Banu. They intend to set it up outside of Russia. But as you can imagine, it's so many things. How does payment work? How does shipping work? And you're still in, in a war-torn area. So I don't know. But my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to all the people who are in the middle of this war. It is absolutely heartbreaking. That said, you know, if if I really feel like having the brand up on the site still is in some way somehow legitimizing or supporting any of that, we would take it down. It is just, it's a little more complicated because we know that Banu doesn't support it. None of our money is actually going over there. But at the same time, I don't know, it's just complicated. We've, we've had a few people call us to like call for us to take it down. A lot of other people are super understanding too and, and all that, but I don't know. So on any given day, on any event, we could change our minds and take it off the site, but just know that having it up on the site does not mean we're not paying attention to anything or that we support what's going on. We, um, are just absolutely heartbroken and there are no winners in this situation. So that's as much as I can say about that right now. I'm just hoping and praying that they get to safety and can continue because they're really, really good people and they're good pen makers. And we hope that they can continue, but if they can't, it would be just a tragedy. So, um, we'll take it day by day, just as we have been so far. Um, but we're grateful to be able to live in freedom and safety where we are and keep doing our thing. So that said, I know a lot of people come to the pencast to get away from all the real life stuff. That's as much 
uh, that we're going to talk about that for this pencast. We're going to get into a whole bunch of nonsense, uh, starting out with, well, not nonsense, but we're going to go into new stuff. All right, back to pens, shall we? Okay. Um, the only thing I really have to talk about, we have, I'll be honest with you, we have a lot of new products. Like, I can't even keep it all straight. But not everything is launched yet. And I literally, I have to look at the website to see like, what have we launched? What's public? What's not? Because there's seriously so much, like even things that are months out that we're having to work on right now. So I'm erring a little bit on the side of like, let me not talk about some of these things because I don't want to say something that I'm not supposed to say. But one thing that we do have that I can't remember if we talked about this yet at all, Drew, but I am excited. The Pilot Custom Heritage Special Editions. So these are you know, essentially like about the size of a custom 912. So it's a little larger pen. It's a little larger than a custom 74, perhaps flat top looks really slick, but it's got these like deep, you know, kind of pearlescent resins to it. Like something you've never seen from pilot before, which I, I went to the office yesterday. I saw them in person. I pulled out all the colors and I was like, oh, these are cool. Now it's not like it's not like something you've never seen before. It's just something you've never seen in a pilot pen. So that's really cool. They are a little more expensive. They're $320, which is like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a jump up from something like a custom 74 and it's the same nib got a, you know, con 70 converter and stuff like that. So the writing experience is going to be, if you like the custom 74, you're going to love this thing. Cause it's the exact same thing. Um, but is it like, Oh my gosh, because it's, you know, 320 instead of 160, like the custom 74, is it going to be that much better of a writing pen? No, it's basically the same guts. But if you really like the style, you like that resin and you like the quality and consistency of pilot, I think it's worth a look. So it's not going to be a pen for everybody, but it's got that beautiful 14 karat nibs, the number five, technically the number five pilot size is not actually a, like a Yovo number five. They have a different scaling system, but it's that same size and as a custom 74. Um, so it's going to write great. It looks really good. If you're willing to make the jump in the price, you won't be disappointed because they look really, really nice in person. So, and they really, a, to me, you're a flat, like, you're a flat top fan. I know you like, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just, just the fact that it's a flat top pen, you know, yeah. please. Absolutely. And it feels like we're getting like someone, some, somebody made a mistake and the U S is getting <laughs> something that should only be in Japan. You know, it does feel like, like that a little bit. Right, because Pilot has released in Japan really mm. bright, vibrant, crazy pattern pens. Yeah. And the ones we get over in the U.S. are kind of like, you know, the basic stuff. They're yeah. still beautiful. They're much more conservative with what they release overseas. Right. Yeah. Now, the, the the transparent colors of the Custom 74, and then you're, you know, every now and then a crazy vanishing point will show up. But for the most part, yeah. this is like really something special just yeah. because of how vibrant and exciting these patterns are. So yeah. it's a big deal. It's neat. I, I, I hope to see how they're received. I hope they're received well. I think the price will be the only thing. Um, yeah. So there's there's four colors. There's red, marble, orange marble, black marble, blue marble. So pretty, you know, they're like darker jewel tone kind of colors, um, but they have a lot of swirl to them, a lot of depth to them when you look at them. Um, they're really, really cool. So anyway, I'm excited about it. Not every day we get something new from Pilot, so uh, it's always exciting when we do. All right, Drew, what yes, you got? Well, hot on the heels of the Twisby Swipe in mm. Salmon, or mm. Salmon, if you're feeling like that, mm. we've got the Twisby Swipe in Pear Green, Hey-o. which matches up very nicely to the Salmon or Coral, if you want to not call it Salmon. Mm. So just another color of the Swipe. It is like one of my favorite pens that... Uh, yeah, you really have I've, like, I've, latched onto that pen. You really one hundred percent. Like, I will, I'll talk about this Twisby swipe all day, but I won't right now. 
but I'm into it, very into it. Let it go on the record. And the pear green looks cool. It's neat. It's another color, so yay for that. Yeah. And new from Nebula, we carry Nebula notebooks. And mm-hmm. in the Nebula notebooks, there is Tomoe River paper, which hey. is super popular, super wonderful. And if yeah. you want to show off your ink, that's the paper to do it with. Mm. New right now at the Goulet Pen Company, we have tablets of this paper. So mm-hmm. if you wanted just terrible paper for letter writing and things like that this is the paper for you we are carrying it in two sizes in terrible two- like it sounded oh my like, gosh you're right it's yeah. not terrible drew meant terrible like able to able be to be torn, torn from the top of the thing <laughs> not terrible as in no. the quality of the paper oh just my gotta gosh. get that clear i was like whoa wait a minute that's so funny <laughs> it's not terrible but it's, it's just terrible mm. oh man yeah mm. i don't i don't i feel i feel dirty now how dare I? I feel like, ugh, I need to you know, wash Drew, my mouth out. This, this is too obvious, but there is a joke, a dad joke that I have related to that. It's, well, thanks for the warning. Yeah, yeah. It's I have a joke about paper, but it's terrible. You know, that's the that's the joke. I mean, you literally just said that as the pun, as a punchline. You know, so yeah, say that well, maybe that's why. Say maybe that that's away. why I felt so bad about it. You could just like sense that there was ugh, an yeah. essence of dad joke in there. And ooh, yeah, you kind of smelled it. So we're carrying these in two different. <laughs> sizes large and extra large which isn't really large and extra large it's more just kind of like a5 ish and a4 ish it's sort of like b sizes not a yeah, sizes. it's like somewhere it's, in between yeah but but not large and extra large even though that's what they're called it, it can be deceiving yeah so we've got the measurements on the site though if you want the exact ones we're also going to be carrying them in white and cream so two Ooh. sizes two uh-huh. colors bing okay. bang bong there you go that's yeah. right yeah and it's terrible paper so you should buy it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely terrible you'll love it <laughs> oh my gosh all right that's what the new stuff we have to talk about let's get in on some q a all right time for a question and an answer oh yes garrett is going to be asking the question brian is going to be giving the answer mm. and garrett asks when you want to store away a fountain pen for a significant amount of time months okay. you obviously clean it so that it's empty yeah but would it be a would it be a good idea to fill it with water I know that in the original email, Garrett also went on to just kind of talk about like why he had um, he had originally cleaned it, but mm-hmm. then he had also missed some residual ink or something like that, and it had dried and made his piston really hard to operate. So yeah. he kind of next time he went back to it, it kind of cracked. He had to kind of break that crusty seal. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was wondering, well, if I had just filled it with water, maybe I wouldn't have had that problem. But maybe there are some unforeseen negative consequences to having water sit in a pen for that long. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you would just clean the pen thoroughly enough so that it wouldn't, you know, have any ink left in there. That's easier on some pens than others, of course. Um, I think generally speaking, you know, I was trying to rack my brain. I was like, is there any, like, actual harm or disadvantage to doing it? Not necessarily. I, You know, any anywhere that I read from, especially, you know, I look at folks like Richard Bender and people that, like, are into vintage pens and repair pens and pen restoration because they see the results of pens that get left for a long period of time and then what's required to restore them and that kind of thing. And when you're speaking about pens as a whole, I do tend to take heavily into account those who are working in vintage pens and stuff like that. Because if you look at, in the grand scheme of pens, when you're talking about a general question about like pen maintenance and storage and stuff, you know, we sell modern pens, which pens have been around for 150 years. 
we've been selling pens for 12 years. So 12 out of 150 is a relatively small portion of all the fountain pens that could potentially be discussed around a certain issue, something as broad as cleaning or storing or something like that. So I do like to take into account, you know, those that are, that are um, restoring pens and stuff like that. So they pretty much universally say, if you're storing pens, clean them very thoroughly, let them dry, and then store them empty, completely empty. I agree with that. I think that is the best way to store it. I was trying to think like in practicality, if you have water, just water, not ink, you definitely don't want to leave ink because it'll crust up and it'll cause all kinds of things. But if you have water left in there, what would actually be the harm potentially in doing that? I don't know that it would necessarily be a harmful thing because think about if you're using a pen regularly for that same amount of time, if you just have water in it, it's not really going to hurt anything. Um, I do think that um, there are probably some like pen materials and stuff like that, that if the material itself has prolonged exposure to moisture, I'm thinking like some natural materials like casein and some of these types of things like older resins and stuff like that on vintage pens that are not as chemically advanced as what they make today. Um, having them stored in a moist environment is not, um, is not favorable because it can actually break down the material over time. So that's where I think a lot of that comes from with um, like some of the vintage pen experts is some of those earlier plastics and stuff like that. If they're in a very humid or a moist environment for a long period of time, it can actually break down or can yellow the plastic, cause it to warp these types of things. That's in principle. I don't know, say you were to have a pen storage drawer of some kind or a pen box or something like that, an enclosed environment where you're storing your pens, if they're all filled with water, over some period of time, that water is going to evaporate out of the pens. So that's one thing to take into account. You are going to have an empty pen if you leave it for long enough. Some pens seal better than others, but you know, over time that is going to happen. Now, if that's happening and it's in a completely enclosed environment, the only place that water has to go is into the container that you're storing all your pens, which would make that more like a humidor, like a more moist environment, which in theory could possibly cause some harm to your pens. In practicality, does that actually happen? I've never heard specifically of anybody that like, I stored all my pens filled with water and now they're all ruined. That's in, in, in principle, the physics of it could potentially be there. Is there any actual harm? Probably not. I don't really know, but I can say that like some pens, like if you take a Noodler's pen, right? Big wide open ebonite feed doesn't have like a super, super sealed inner cap or anything. If you store that thing with water, give it a couple of weeks and that, that pen's going to be completely dry anyway. So at best, you're just buying yourself some time. So will it hurt anything? <clears throat> Maybe potentially on some level, I haven't really heard of that being a practical problem. You know, another issue with anytime you have water is you have the potential for things to grow in the water. If you have impurities or whatever, you know, there's no biocide or anything in water, but there is in, in most inks. So if you leave your pen filled with ink and you use it all the time, it's no problem. But if you leave it filled with water for a long period of time, you could potentially have mold and other things like that that could grow in it in a moist environment. So, you know, especially if you're going to be storing your pens and then it gets put in a box and it gets put in the attic or something hot, moist, you know, that kind of thing could maybe not be so good. So I think just in general, it's not, it's not necessarily worth the risk. Potentially, if you store your pens empty, then they just will stay as they are. It's a little easier to control the environment. If you store them with water in it, you're just introducing more variables of potential issues. 
But, but again, I just haven't really heard that of being a problem. So I would say just err on the side of caution, store your pens empty, because that's the advice I hear from basically everybody. Um, but if it's something that you're just storing and you have access to it and you want to just keep some water in it, nothing's stopping you from doing that. That's totally up to you. It's, it's your call. I just don't think that it's necessarily the go-to practice. Does that make sense, Drew? You yeah, much- I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I, you probably won't know the answer to this, but I am left with a curiosity about hmm. whether or not a pen full of water would have the contents evaporate faster than a pen full of ink because obviously the water hmm. in both is going to be fast uh, is going right. to evaporate because right. you know fountain pen ink is mostly water right but does the fact that it is mixed with other elements make it so that it evaporates slower or do you think regardless the water here will evaporate as well as the water here at the same rate i am not a chemist to yeah. know to know the answer to that i would yeah, my my instinct is telling me that if you have ink that that would that would appear to dry out faster because you have more non-water in that solution that would not evaporate right you would so so the water may evaporate at the same rate because but because there's actually more water in the pure water than there is in just the ink that you would be left with you know say it's 90% 90% water, 10% other stuff, mm-hmm. which is probably some kind of, some somewhere close to the ratio of most inks. It's it's a lot of water. You know, then you would be you would have that 90% once you hit that level, you'd be left with 10% water in the pen that has just water and you'd be left with all the dried up crusty other stuff in the pen that had ink in it. Yeah. yeah but that does that sense. actually make a difference? Probably not. Yeah, not just really. Curious. I do wonder, though, if anybody out there in YouTube land has, or if you're listening to the audio version of this, has decided to store their pens with water. I'm sure that um, uh, um, Garrett is not the first person to have thought of this. I bet there's yeah. somebody out there does this. So if you yeah. do, please let us know and let us know how it goes. I will say in practicality, my own personal, because I have a lot of pens, so I am very regularly not using a majority of my pens for extended periods of time, even as much as I try to use them. So uh, when I am cleaning my pens, very often I'm cleaning them to be stored because I'm going to switch it out for another pen. Um, So that said, I'll try to dry them out and stuff like that. Um, I do have a little, I just thought of a good tip of the week, Drew. I'm not going to say it now because I want to save it because we're running low on our tips of the week. Write it down, write it Uh, down. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. Okay, give me one second here. Uh, Okay. Ah, that pen doesn't have ink in it. Okay. Hang oh, on. so right now I am using all diamine, um, uh, the the most recent holiday edition from the Inkvent calendar. I have black ivy, and then ruby blues, and then all the best, which is like the uh, the final ink that you got on December twenty fifth. And all the best was a risk for me because I generally don't use shimmer inks. But I have to say, I absolutely love this one. And look what I did, everybody. I paired three Lamy All-Stars with my, I guess this part of the synthscape would be better. Look at that matchy-matchness. Ah, <laughs> I love it. It makes me so happy. Nice. It makes me very happy. All right. Um, I got so my- you, Brian, when you are cleaning your pens, you are generally cleaning uh, them to be stored for yeah. an extended period of time. Yeah. So I will try to dry them out. Honestly, drying them out, most pens, you just, you pretty much like, you clean it thoroughly and then you just pretty much leave the pen uncapped, or if the pen is disassemblable, you know, leave it in a moderately disassembled state 
uh, overnight, and that will pretty much take care of it. You know, wick out as much of the water as you can, but then just it'll air dry, and, and that's really all you need to do. Um, but I've had pens where, you know, they're some kind of vacuum filler or whatever, and like there's just little bits of water that like to hide in places on those pens, no matter how much you try to dry it out, or I've been in a rush or whatever. I'm like getting ready to travel, and I don't want to leave pen parts all over my desk. So I'll be like, I'll clean it out as thoroughly as I can, try and dry it out, and then I'll just I'll cap it and sort away, knowing that there's a teensy little bit of ink left in there. I don't sweat it for those ones unless it's a particularly important pen or something like that. But if this is a normal old modern pen, I'll leave like the little the little droplets, the little like aerosol sized droplets of ink or of, of water that can be left sometimes after a, a cleaning regimen when you don't have time to let it air dry out. I'll leave that in there and store it. There's so little actual water left there that I don't sweat it. It's going to evaporate in a, a period of time. There's not going to be that much enough there to worry about. So in my own practice, that's what I've done. And I've never seen any negative consequences of that. Not that it couldn't happen, but that's what I, that's what I do just in practicality. There you go. All right, moving along. Next question we have from ecology fiend, best green inks. That's the whole well, question. Beautiful, poignant. That, that, is, that is timely. Um, mm. This this week what do you, uh, is what do you call uh, best. What is best to you? Ecology oh my god! Fiend? That's why you're not answering this one. Get out of no, here. No, this is Drew's question. I have thoughts, but Drew's going to take it. All right. So it is timely. We've, we're approaching uh, St. Patrick's Day, and green inks make me happy. I don't know why, but I guess it's because I don't use them often enough. So when I do, I'm like, oh my god, green! Why don't I do this enough? And mm. they, they always just like fill me with joy. So I do really love green inks. Shockingly, the ones that fill me with joy are the more bright, vibrant greens. But for whatever reason, in my fountain pen life timeline, I have traditionally gone with dark greens. I don't know why, if the Mm. other ones make me so happy. Anyway, Mm. I am a huge fan of Noodler's L. Lawrence, Ebony Green by Private Reserve, and Green Black from Diamine. All three are Mm. like super dark greens, almost black. For whatever reason, I just really like the way they look. They have this motor oil kind of vibe. I'll I'll toss in Noodler's Zhivago in there, too. That's right right in the mix there with all those. Zhivago is amazing. There was a time where I thought that they were going to stop bringing in... L. Lawrence into the U.S. Yeah. and I was like, I need to start loving Zhivago. So I did use Zhivago <laughs> a lot. So I'm like, all right, Drew, you gotta. This is gonna be your new ink. But then L. Lawrence kept coming. So, so would again. you uh, see when I don't think of a dark green ink, I don't immediately think of L. Lawrence. I think of that as more of a gray. But I guess it like teeter or maybe a brown. It's like really kind of in the mix of all of those. If you compare it to Burma Road Brown, yeah, that is, that brown. is a green brown. Yeah, uh, yeah, compared yeah. to that, L. Lawrence looks pretty green. Okay. But yeah, okay. it all depends That's on where fair. you're coming from. That's fair, yeah. Um, however, as far as my medium greens go, the one I've used the most in the last 10 years has been Private Reserve Spearmint. Mm. It is such a pure, bright, fun, fun, just medium green. I love it, and I've used that one more than anything. As far as light greens go, my go-to has always been Pilot Hiroshizuku Chikurin. But recently, Brian, I mm. discovered... Robert Auster Citrus. Hmm. And that one is a, just a tad more energetic to me. And I really love that one. Very, very good shading on both of those. So for the season, I don't know. Spring mm. is about to be sprung. Chikurin and Robert Auster Citrus. I will really heavily recommend that. And as I was perusing our shop to make sure I wasn't missing any greens that I really love, I came across one that I am super into trying, Brian. It okay. is Sailor Shikiyori Tokiwa Matsu. 
And mm. I've never used this one. I didn't even swab this one. This is one that Rachel swabbed when we first got it in. Okay. But I saw it, and it's just this... Hmm. It's got some crazy brown, greenish, sheeny awesomeness happening. I, I, I'm i like, as much as I love what I have going on here, one of these is going to need to go bye-bye because I need to use that ink. I am super jazzed about it. I don't even know if I've seen it before. I don't know how it passed me by, but it looks rad. I'm super into it. So one thing I also wanted to mention is that we do have sample packs uh, that we have put together as some of our best-selling greens in both light greens, medium greens, and dark greens. So if you'd like to try out some for yourself in order to settle what your favorite green is on any of those three tiers of brightness, we make it easy for you. So I will link those in the bottom so you can check them out. I think greens are just, it's one of those colors that has such a wide range to it. I know, I know. And like you can have such different emotions looking at the different shades of these colors. I know. That Robert Oster Citrus, that is cool. That's like a right. It's like a diamine meadow type green. That's yes. what I'm Oh, meadow is so good too. That's a really good he- one. Diatomaceous like- he- Heliogen green is really good. I don't That's use it because cool. it's, it's, it's a little shimmery for me, but it's super popular. So you yeah. might also want to check out that one. There are so many, I had to stop myself because there are so many really, really good ones. Yeah. And because you get like some really bright ones like diamine apple glory. That's apple like- glory, I do not like. I will say, I no? do not like apple really? glory. It, no, it's, I, it's like I, a- I think it's. It's like almost like a Bay State blue vibrancy, but in a green. Like it's, it's very, very pretty, bright. but it always it never behaves for me on paper. It always okay, okay. feathers well, like nobody's business. Okay, well you I can't have it all, I guess. I I, I test. I mm. use Apple Glory to test paper, though. I will say that's kind of like my okay, go-to. Okay. Can this paper handle Apple Glory? There you go. See, like when I look at the olive greens, I feel very differently about those than I do about like a mid-range green or super bright green or, you know, there's such. I, I really do have like I, teals and turquoises. Like, are these I have a favorite green? olive green. I have a favorite olive green, Brian, and I did not include it because I don't I don't like the way I say it. Oh, um, oh, well, OK, Drew, this is a safe place. There will be no judgment here. I, I don't I, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be better about my pronunciations okay just it's just a personal journey of mine the french words i i struggle with okay so airbon inks Mm -hmm. yeah uh i can't say vert olive without sounding just like i'm just vert i know that that's not vert when i say vert it just sounds so country i don't like it so i'm like i'm not gonna say vert it just it seems disrespectful yeah that ink but I, I don't know. Like the the E is not an er, it's more of an air sound. Vert. Vert. Yeah. Vert. I, or, I don't know how harshly you say the T. I just don't know. You, I, don't I think know you would say it a little harder because because it depends on what the next letter is and the next word. I think you would say the T a little harder because there's an O in olive coming after that. See, I just I'm I'm I didn't want to go there because to me it just yeah. sounds like vert. And yeah, I don't want to well, do that. That is And true. I did it. I did it. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I, I did it. I appreciate but it. But I like the ink. I do. It's a noble effort. It's, I appreciate you trying. Um, Thanks. But then again, I don't 100% know the correct way to say it either. But anyway, but that is a nice color. I agree with you on that one. There's cool. a lot of there's a lot of good olive greens. I will say it's a tough it's a tough pick. Um, it really is. For me, you know, I I struggle a little bit because I don't know how much teals and turquoises and stuff like that fall into this. So I in not my, at all in my mind, I think they should really be a separate 
classification. They should, they should. But I'm torn with Emerald of Shavor because that is one of my favorite inks of all time. Mm -hmm. Its name is called Emerald, which is a very distinctly green color, but to me, it's really more of a teal. So I will acknowledge it, but not really classify it as a green ink. It has it a lot is of on green. The line. It has a lot of green to it, but I wouldn't call it a green, especially because it's got a red sheen and gold shimmer. It's it's like its own thing. It's its own thing. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, it but is right there on the edge, though. It is. I mean, technically, we have it on the the green filters of ink on our site, so you know we we at least felt like it was worthy of being filtered as a green color but it's also under turquoises too um so for me like the mid-range greens i'm right there with you i actually put pr spearmint in here as well mm. um but if you want to go with another airborne color lier sauvage is a really nice mid-green as well not quite as saturated as spearmint but uh, if you like the shading you get a little more shading with that one and uh all the airborne inks just they flow really well they're easy to clean they're just such light maintenance on the pens so so great um, and then another one that's kind of a, a dark horse oddball thing that I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily pick this color out of a lineup and go, Ooh, I want that. But I love the properties of it is Rower and Cleaner Alt Gold Clean, which is an, it's kind of an olive color, but it's a very yellow olive green. That's a good one. Which is a little bit weird. I normally would go towards the darker olive greens, like a Noodler's Army green or, you know, the Vert Olive, as you would say. But uh, the Alt Gold Green, it's just got such a unique property to it. The shading is out of this freaking world. Like, it's a I really love, popular ink. And it's, it's way more popular than it should be for the color range that it's in because yeah. of the properties of that specific color it's just one of the best shaders around so i think you could probably say the same thing about noodler's brown like it's it's more popular than it should be just yeah. because of how it performs so yeah. i think it, it kind of has that same effect like on yeah. paper it just it just wows even though the color itself is kind of like Meh. there you go so there are cool. there are so many great green colors and i will say they are hit or miss like green pens specifically Oh my gosh, it is one of the most stressful things for us to try to pick a good green for a pen that we do because you just get that color a little bit off and you won't sell 10% of what you get if you get that color right. It's just like, it's like crab fishing, you know? It's like the the deadliest catch where it's like if they get if they get the crab pots and the flow of the crab, they'll catch them all and they'll just load the boat. But if they're off by just a little bit, they get nothing. That's what I feel like it is trying to pick the right green. All right. It's like crab fishing. Anyway, that's all I got to say about greens. Drew, next one. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you a question from Caitlin, who always sends <sighs> the best stuff. Yeah, and thanks, uh, I really love this one because mm -hmm. I knew for sure that Brian would just have an answer chambered and ready to fire. Caitlin asks us, what is your favorite Goulet exclusive pen, past or present? Oh, great. This is really opening it up wide for me. That Yeah, really you know, she's giving you options. Well, I don't want to answer this. I he wrote, struggled that's, with... That's all he wrote. There's nothing on here except for I don't want no, to no, answer no, I this. Added more, I added more notes, but it was... Oh, well, there's nothing on, much, my, on my version. I did it over lunch right oh, okay. before the pen cast as I was <laughs> okay. eating my giant salad. Um, awesome. So, awesome. no, 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 I... I I went into the notes first and I just put, I don't want to answer this. And I just left it there. I really thought about it a lot and I didn't have anything to put in there. So I just left that and I was like, I'll come back to it right before the pen cast. Cause sometimes I work better under pressure and I came up with some stuff. 
much as I hate to answer it. Anyway, you get to watch me squirm now. Yay! I tell Jad jokes for Drew. Drew asks me pointed questions with, you know, concise answers, and I squirm. Um, so the first thing it reminded me of is a an expression that I heard recently that I really like. I don't know where it came from. I just found it off one of these websites that has random phrases. Um, but it says, give me ambiguity or give me something else. And I just, I feel like that fits so many of the answers that I try to <laughs> come up with. Give me ambiguity yes. or give me something else. Yes. Um, so for me, I think if I had to, if I had to just pick one pen, the one that I would probably pick would be for somewhat sentimental reasons, it would be the Edison Nouveau Premier. It was our first exclusive pen that we ever did. We still sell it, though the only one we sell currently that's from the original batch is the color that Rachel picked. We've told the legend before. What, what we, color is that again, Brian? Can you describe a, to me the shade? Um, I would of color? call it a a golden amber. Do you give me give me a shade that it's starts with golden, the letter B. Golden amber is what I would call it. Would yeah. you really? Yeah, burnt sienna, perhaps. Is Golden. What I would call it. Oh my God, yeah. you're a yeah. You're a it's definitely tragedy. not brown. It's not. It is absolutely it's brown. Not brown. Brown. Was it? Did the blue? Do you? Do we still sell the blue pen, Brian? Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't. Oh man, was that was that due to the fact that the material is unavailable, or due to sales and success um, and awesomeness? So moving on to the rest of the question. Um, <laughs> no. So the legend. The legend goes. <laughs> That when we came out with the premiere first, we worked closely with Brian Gray. Uh, Brian Gray picked a matte black one. I picked a surprise blue, a bright cobalt blue one. And Rachel picked the cappuccino. And it was kind of like jokingly, we wanted to get, you know, different colors. But we kind of jokingly were like, you know, hey, let's just see which one sells better. Ha ha. And we see kind of who wins or whatever. Um, not that it really matters because mine didn't win. But, you know, uh, Brian Gray's died out first his was also the because it was a matte finish it was like more steps to have to make it so he kind of did himself in on that one he was the one making the things and he picked the one that was harder to make so we killed that one first and then the blue one died out we changed it with other colors and we mixed it up but that you know we retired the blue one but the cappuccino we've kept and it still sells to this day 11 plus years later so rachel wins i mean she is indisputably the color you know picker of the company so she just she has is. a way with colors um but anyway props to her she recognizes it even though it's a brown it still was such a good choice i'm just kidding i don't really hate brown pens that much um anyway i just like to make drew uh, give him something to fight, oh, hey, fight for no, i guess the fact is brown <laughs> brown won yep brown town brown town um, usa so anyway if i had to pick just one i would say that one because it's sentimental and all these reasons and we had a very very heavy hand in designing basically every aspect of that pen because we were designing it from scratch with brian gray now that said um we've done some other ones that i just wanted to mention kind of for fun sure. yeah, yeah um yeah. you know the uh visconti opera master luna that we did we we had that material and we put it you know the opera master it's a heavy pen it's not necessarily my favorite format of pen to use to actually write with day to day because it's so heavy and large but uh it really showed off that material really well and it was a beautiful blue material with silver sparkle in it it was really unlike anything that we'd seen especially from visconti at that time and we did an exclusive on it and it was really cool that we were able to do that i loved that one um, another cool one this will take you back a little bit drew with the monteverde nighthawk I really liked it. So Monteverde is known for doing a lot of woven carbon fiber, but they'd never done a matte carbon fiber before that. And we were like, can we do a matte carbon fiber with all stealthed out 
trim, nib, everything, just all matte black. And we did it and it looked awesome. It turns out it was really, really hard for them to do a matte finish on a carbon fiber weave because the weave of it's real carbon fiber to do the weave there's a lot of air pockets in that weave and when you do a matte finish the bubbles in the pockets show up really bad they show up worse than they do with a gloss finish so they had a lot of waste in the process and we just weren't able to keep it up you know with with those factors we'd never done it before it was an experiment for them you know and it was pretty early on in our pen days as well so it was it was a learn it was a lesson learned in trying to do something that hadn't been done before. I have no regrets about having done it. Um, but that one's near and dear to my heart because it just looked so cool. Um, another fun was one was the retro 51 Santa jaws that we got to do. So, um, as the sweater that both drew and I have now, um, you know, that one's got a kind of a cool backstory. We got actually got permission to use that. We didn't just like rip off the design. Um, but I, I found that sweater at Target. And just at the time I was doing a lot of Instagram stories and I think I was doing Snapchat at the time. And I snapped it or whatever you, the kids call it these days. And somebody who was following me said, hey, I know who designed that sweater. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I follow this person, you know, sweater jerk, you know, I follow, I follow her, her name's Amanda and you should go check her out. Like I follow her stuff and she does all these crazy sweater designs of like T-Rexes destroying Christmas presents and, you know, sloths that are, you know, hanging on to Santa Claus and stuff. And I was like, that's so cool. So I actually reached out to her made contact. She thought it was such a cool idea. And we were able to work with Retro 51 and design an actual like Santa Jaws pen. So that one's really cool too. Um, and then a more recent one, the Retro 51 Fire and Dice. That was really cool just because like, I mean, we designed that thing from the ground up and put so much nerdtastic stuff in there. Um, so that was a lot of fun to do as well. So, you know, it's hard because I feel like all these exclusive designs that we do, they really are like my pen babies. And I have a hard time choosing between any of them because... I put everything that I can into every single one of them. And I really tie, you know, a, a lot of, you know, just, just personal satisfaction for, you know, helping to create something that wouldn't exist otherwise. It's really, really rewarding to do that for the pen community. Um, you know, so every single one is special in its own way. But, uh, you know, this gives you at least some insights into, you know, some of the, the ones that have stood out, I guess, a little bit. I think those are all solid choices. Yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoyed them as well. I think the Luna is probably my number one, but uh, yeah, that's that stealth green sailor was something special too. That would see that's really cool too. Yeah, yeah. But hey, we're not done. In fact, no, we, we might not. have something coming down the pipeline right now. For all you know, I may or may not have shot a video yesterday that will be coming <gasps> out. Collective gas something exclusive in the future. That well, I can't really stay say, tuned. I, I can't really say what it is. No, we're, we're shooting to have it in the next month, but I will say it is really, it looks amazing. It just, looks I hear, so I hear amazing. tell somebody, somebody told me earlier today, we'll call him Shmarian Shmule for anonymity's mm. sake. Someone told me that on video, this thing looked even better than we had seen it before. Yes. Mm. Yes. I have it I'll in the other what. room. I have a sample of it. I have to mail it back, but I literally have it just feet, just feet over there, and I can't show what? you yet. That's but anyway, cool. When, you, when it comes out and I say, remember that? Remember episode 38, that thing I was alluding to? This was the thing. That's the thing. You will know, you turkey hammocks, you. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next question. This is from Ichiro. Why does one company have various lines of ink? 
I would appreciate a one sentence description of each ink line by, for example, Sailor to help me understand the differences to help me select one. Drew? take it away yeah I, that 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 would be nice wouldn't that be nice wouldn't it be <laughs> I nice would if like somebody broke it down for us i would and made like sense that too i would like that too it, it's it's been sometimes difficult uh, obviously with a brand like private reserve they have ink lines within their ink line right but it's all performance based they've got a fast dry collection they've got a pearlescent collection they've got infinity ink and they've got their regular line so those are pretty much self-explanatory you know it's right there on the label mm -hmm. what it does right so those are easy like obviously they they say it right there on the bottle no explanation needed so why some companies do that is to signify what properties you Seems can expect logical. from that yeah. ink, ink brand yeah with sailor though it gets a bit more complicated because there's no obvious difference and i totally get you mm. so the man the manio ink for example is 50 mils for 24 bucks you can also get the standard in 50 mil or the pig pigmented in 50 mil but you're talking 1250 for the standard and then 24 for the pigmented again same same amount of ink but yeah. twice the price between Pig the standard. Pigmented sense. Like, that's a different property, right? Right, so right. Like so, so, so in that example, you have the pigmented. There is more stuff in that bottle. It is more costly to produce. So mm -hmm. that is going to be the case with a lot of these inks. It just takes more money to produce those, so they have to sell them at a premium. And you might have... So let's say it's an ink collection of, you know, 100 different inks, like the case with the Sailor Ink Studio, which is, you know, one of the more expensive ones. So that is 20 mil, so less than half of what we were just talking about, but for $18 for that little bottle. There might be a lot of inks in that line that are more costly to produce. So maybe not all of them, because you look at Sailor 123 and 224, and they look a lot like Manyo Haha, which you're like, okay, this is not that much more expensive than this, so the argument kind of falls apart but there might be other things within that collection that are more expensive so they just have to price everything accordingly yeah. you can also if i'm just i'm just speculating here i don't know why they're this cost but you can also say that it's likely that the sailor ink studio inks because there are so many of them perhaps they're made in smaller batches if you produce something in smaller batches that also has a tendency to drive up costs as well because you get cost savings the more you produce um in most cases and then you've got the shikiori inks same amount of ink as the ink studio but that's 15 instead of 18 a little bit more um cost effective there but it really is all over the place with sailor you can also hypothesize that if you're an ink company it might be easier to let's sailor another perfect example sailor markets by driving new products out quite frequently if you compare them to other big brands like other japanese brands pilot and platinum they do not launch things with near the regularity as sailor does not even close sailor is always cranking out new pens new colors and at least, as far at as least in the u.s we should say at least in the u.s yeah 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 i don't know um, about, i don't know about overseas if it's i'm i'm pretty sure that's just their thing but yeah let, we'll, we'll stick with what we know as far as the u.s yeah. market goes and you could say the same thing with their ink you know with these other japanese brands you don't see platinum or pilot coming out with new lines but if you did want to drum up interest and hype launching a new line and maybe canceling another new line is way easier and more cost effective to market than saying oh here's this one new ink here's this one new ink you can say hey here's this collection and now we can put all of our marketing dollars behind this one collection and let all of our retailers get this big information packet and let them market this collection rather than one ink one ink one ink 
having to market single ink releases, if that is your strategy, as it most definitely is with Sailor, would be way more expensive, less cost effective than marketing a collection. And then maybe pulling back a collection here and there. You don't need to say, okay, this one ink isn't selling well, so let's pull that. This one ink isn't selling well. You can just kind of operate with these big chunks of products rather than these individual products. So to Mm -hmm. me, it makes sense. Um, Sailor definitely does this more compared to most of the other big ink brands. They tend to uh, launch single colors for the most part, with the exception of sometimes Diamine. They have, since 2019, decided to get out their um, blue edition inks, you know, which had come from their advent, their inkvent calendar. And um, the first you know, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that they sometimes do. Colorverse is another one that, like Sailor, they tend to use collections, limited offerings, but they can dr- they they theme them not by color, but just by naming conventions. But mm. it's it, it is a marketing advantage, in my yeah. opinion. I don't know if you agree, Brian, but I yeah. I definitely think that that cohesive collection brings more to the marketing options than um, yeah, just you know some individual colors. Yeah, you're right about that. And I'm thinking about a brand like Robert Oster too. You know, they, they'll they come out with stuff that sometimes has a distinctive property, like, you know, some of their candy inks or something like that, or like normal colors of ink they might have that have shimmer in them, right? So they'll, they'll have the shimmer designation. It's the same bottle, but they change the name a little bit so that you know that it's, you know, got that property to it. But they also come out with like the Muddy series of inks, which is a relatively recent thing. Well, they're all kind of muddy looking browns and greens and stuff like that. Well, they came out with a bunch of them at once. It doesn't mean that another ink that already was a kind of a brownish, olivey, whatever, couldn't also just be called a muddy ink. It just didn't already exist as that when they came out with the Muddy line. So sometimes it's like there's themes and collections to them that are literally just for, you know, kind of making it up or you, you know, just like you would come up with. I don't know, a theme for anything in any product related market. You know, you come up with a spring collection of clothing, you know, you could come up with that clothing anytime you just put it in spring and you call it a spring edition or whatever. You can do the same thing with ink, you know, and um, I think sometimes, well, I know as far as the prices go, you know, sometimes collections can have different prices. You would be amazed at how different the prices can be based on the bottle, the packaging, you know, that type of stuff. Bottle, ink bottle prices can swing wildly. I mean, way more than you would think based on what kind of bottle that you're using. If you're using like a Noodler's bottle, pretty nondescript, medicinal looking bottle, very widely available, mass produced, that kind of thing. Those are obviously much cheaper than... You know, some of these like Sailor Specialty inks where it's a unique bottle, they might be handmade instead of mass produced, can literally be like 10 or 20 times the price just for the bottle. And then you get into custom packaging and stuff like that. So if you're looking to make a unique collection and you're using a special bottle and you're making it a whole branding packaging collection, you know, it's a flower theme or poetry theme or something like that. Sailor's done some of that. Some of the reason of the high price is not necessarily just because of the ink. It could be the bottle and the packaging and the whole thing. So there's a lot of actually different components that can kind of go into what makes an ink cost what it does. But, you know, in in actuality, it's complicated and it's not standard across basically any brand. So it's completely all over the place with every brand, which is kind of confusing. But at the same time, that's what you get with a small kind of boutique, you know, industry. And to make inks is, you know, it's it's a very entrepreneurial kind of thing. Like you can... 
you can create a lot of different inks and kind of package it in different ways. And I think the, the collections and the ways that ink makers come up with the different inks is just one way of kind of expressing their own creativity and stuff like that. So it's not just like, strictly utilitarian like this many milliliters for this much and this price and da 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 like yes you technically could standardize like that but it would be really boring and it's much more exciting to make beautiful looking artistic bottles with a theme and all that kind of stuff that have a cool name and all that kind of stuff that also look nice on the page so it all kind of just fits in there somehow yeah. And I will also say that we've recently been trying to make an effort to separate these collections a little bit more on our website. It's and, tough. It's tough. Right, right. Ra- Rachel has been doing a fantastic job with this. It is a lot of work. And if we do have that information to provide you with in yeah. these collections, we certainly will. So um, rest assured that we will be doing our part to differentiate these as we are provided with the information. A lot of times we are not, but... Uh, we will do our best because we also appreciate the clarity. So yeah. thank you for the question. We appreciate that. Yeah, very cool. All right. So moving on to question number five, Brian, our last question of this week. Mm. Uh, Marianne says, hello, Pentelman. <laughs> Does the use of silicone grease affect the ink? When I used to convert some of my fountain pens to eyedroppers, mm. it seems to have made the ink, heart of darkness in this case, a bit thicker. Maybe I used too much of it. Thank you and keep delivering excellence with your company and your pencast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. What's a pencil? I don't know. If we're pencilmen, I'm kidding. I know. It's, oh, that's right, because there's no gentle. It's no a playoff of gentlemen. Oh. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, kind of um, like couth and uncouth. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, uh, it really shouldn't make your ink thicker. Uh, you don't really need that much grease. You know, I, I don't, I don't, obviously, I don't see what you're doing, so I, I can't say definitively, but, you know, the, the silicone grease should maintain its integrity. It should not be dissolving into your ink. If it was making your ink thicker, then that's what would have to be happening. You would have to have ink actually like dissolve the silicone grease, which if that was the case, it would completely defeat the purpose of having silicone grease. And, you know, it wouldn't even serve its purpose. It would start to leak out of your pen and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like it's going to leak out of the excess that you put, but then, you know, still hold it on the threads where you want it to, it would, it would, if it's going to dilute and degrade, it's going to do that universally. So I don't think that's probably actually what's happening. It's probably more of a coincidence than it is an actual like causation of whatever silicone grease you're using and it causing your ink to seem thicker. Um, you know, again, I don't have a lot of context to go off of here, but you know, ink can seem thicker if it's evaporating you get water that's evaporating out of the pen, you have a higher dye content and lower flow and stuff like that, and it can seem thicker. So it could just be that it seems like maybe the silicone grease is getting in there and kind of making it thicker, but that's actually got nothing to do with it. It could just be that some water is evaporating out of the ink and then it's seeming thicker in that way. That's what I suspect is probably the most likely cause of your situation. Um, I know the silicone grease, I don't even know which grease you're using. I know the grease that we use is 100% silicone food grade. It's the same kind of grease that they'll use on like, you know, machine equipment and like food processing plants and like that type of stuff. It's industrial grade stuff. It's very pure. So it should not be mixing or reacting with any of the ink that you're using in your pens, which is why I'm like, I've never heard of that being a thing and it really shouldn't be but again if you have some other kind of silicone grease maybe there's you know some variation of it for a different purpose for plumbing or something like that but it's maybe not 100 percent pure and there could be other stuff in there that maybe is mixing that that is possible 
I haven't really heard of that happening a lot, and I haven't really heard of that affecting ink as much. I know that with certain plastics, if you have not pure silicon grease and you have other like petroleum bases and things like that in there, you can get reactions. You can get some yellowing and some other things that can happen with the the impurities, impurities in this case, that would happen if you use a silicone grease that's not pure, you know, that can happen with the plastics. But I've never heard of that really impacting the flow of the ink. So it's just possible, but it's not like a super common thing that I would necessarily, you know, it's like they, 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 they say if you're in medical school, like listen for, if you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. You're like that's what I think when troubleshooting pens, like it's, it's possible there could be some really weird fringe thing, but probably it's just that your, your pen is not hundred percent sealed when it's closed and it's evaporating over time and the ink feels a little thicker. That's, that's more likely what's happening. I completely agree, especially because yeah. if you're eyedroppering, you're you're already attempting to make a seal. Like that's your yeah. goal. Yeah. You're using the silicone grease to make that seal. Yeah. And if that seal isn't being made, then you're gonna have air going where you don't want it to go, and that's yeah. going to even very slowly evaporate the water content of your ink and make mm-hmm. it appear thicker because all you're going to be left with is the non-water components the dye yeah. and the the schmutz now I, i'm kind of just thinking off the top of my head now as i'm rereading the question here are you gonna are you about to argue with yourself now well no 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 everything i said is spot on okay but you know the term like ink seeming thicker i can interpret that as ink is flowing more and is more saturated and that kind of stuff being thicker or i could think of it as like thicker as in it's not flowing as well and it's like seeming dry you know and that kind of thing that's so what i took it as i've heard it used in both contexts like i think mm. ink being thicker could be like the line is thicker on the page like some people talk about it like that so i interpreted oh. it kind of like you did so the the one thing i will kind of say as a caveat in there is if you do put too much it's not necessarily too much silicon grease, but if you put silicon grease in there and it's not just on the threads, but you know, some, some pens you have the the back of the feed or like the post of the feed. If it's a, a, a cartridge converter, if you're slopping some silicon grease on there and you're, and you're <laughs> kind of just going bananas and you get some silicon grease onto the back of that feed post and it can actually impede some of the flow you're, you're, you're physically blocking. And that's what silicon yeah. grease is for in this instance is to to keep it from flowing out of the threads but if you accidentally get it on the back of that feed that can impede the flow going through which i guess could be interpreted in in depending on how you're using the word thicker it could be interpreted as like it's seeming thicker because it's not flowing as well through the pen because you've actually physically blocked it with silicone grease that could be the case but the silicone grease is not actually mixing with the ink and making it thicker you're just you're physically putting a barrier in that case of the ink actually flowing all the way through. So that I think is maybe not the zebra, but that's like the, the next, that's the, I don't know horses at all. Not your most common horse, but your, your second most common horse. I don't know. I literally know nothing about horses, but it's not a zebra. It's something in between a donkey. I don't know. That's not a horse, but whatever. It's got hooves. I'm so far out of my depth with this, but whatever. You get the point. It could Got be that it. it could be that that's the case, you know. So if that's the case, use a toothbrush or something. Try and really, really clean out that feed. A <laughs> just a regular, just an old toothbrush that you already have laying around. It doesn't have to be anything special. Anyway, you're going to need to physically try to get that silicone uh, grease out of there if you think that it has gotten into your feed. So that's like the one thing. Whenever you're using silicone grease on anything. 
you can you can put it on the threads and if you have a little extra and you got to wipe it off that's fine but you don't want to slop it in there so much that you actually impede the ink flow because that'll cause you all kinds of problems if only they had a place to buy a toothbrush <laughs> that would be perfect for this wouldn't it though drew wouldn't it uh, where right. can you even get to- toothbrushes these days brian i don't even know literally everywhere if only- <laughs> everywhere <laughs> I you probably know. have seven of them in your house right now. <laughs> uh, love okay, it. let's move on to the tip of the week. This is all you, my man. <laughs> what dis- you got for us? <laughs> full disclaimer. I think this is our last tip of the week that we have from the original list that we created we when we started the pencast. I got one that I wrote down here. So we got we got a lifeline for one, one more pencast, but we got to come up with some more tips. So if y'all have any, please Ooh. leave them in the comments of things that can help your pens, ink, paper usage. Uh, really, we just need to sit down and brainstorm some new ones, but uh, you know, there'll be more. Yeah, we want to keep the segment going. Anyway, um, the one that I have for you today is about um, uh, using a syringe to fill a piston filling pen, especially if it's a piston filling pen where you can't remove the nib or the feed. Um, But I'll kind of talk about both, right? So uh, I'm gonna use, I've got a little Twisby Mini AL here. Why not? It was the one clean piston pen that I had sitting on my desk here. And now you're gonna make it dirty. I am gonna make it dirty. This is is all the pens that I have, yeah, anyway. Mm. Which is funny, because when I tried to take a note, like none of them would write because I just filled them once and they've been sitting here for weeks. Anyway, I'm just killing Drew's soul right now. Um, anyway, so ink syringe, we sell these. Uh, it's a blunt tip syringe, so won't hurt you unless you really try to make it hurt you. Um, anyway, leave these lying all over your house or your office and people will think that you have problems. But anyway, around here, people know what's going on. So when you are trying to get a maximum filling in your piston pen, you know, you can get it a good 75, 80% filled you know, we've talked about doing the upside down, you know, kind of expel the air out of it to get the whole thing. That works great too. But, you know, this is an alternate method for trying to maximize the filling of your piston pen. Or, or this is actually a really great trick for if you are trying to fill it from maybe an ink sample and the pen doesn't quite fit in there. So you have like an M800, M1000, something really large, really large nib and you can't really get a good filling out of an ink sample or your ink bottle level is really low and you just can't get it all the way down in there. You don't have a face sucker nib, so you gotta submerge the whole thing, but you just can't because there's not enough left. This is where the ink syringe can come in handy, right? So this is a fringe case scenario of a, of a hack, but you know, we're 38 episodes in, come on. We've covered a lot of the basics. So um, essentially what you can do is you can it's almost like bottle feeding your pen, right? So uh, I'll give you a demonstration here. So I have, you know, an ink sample, right? That's just like a teeny little bit of ink left in here. I can't, I'm not gonna be able to fill, you know, there's like one, not even one mil in here. And I'm not gonna get a full filling. I'm just gonna use it as an example. But basically I'm trying to fill it. So I'm gonna suck all the remaining ink out of this vial, right? So would never be able to get that much out of it with just the pen, but now I need to get it into the pen. Well, I mean, one trick you can do, say, you know, since I have a Twisby here, I can actually remove the grip section, right? So if I can remove this, then it's even easier because then it's essentially like an eyedropper. I can just go in here, I can stick it in, I can fill the whole thing, right? That's pretty simple. Not all pens can do that though, but some can, and it's always cool when it can. So that's a neat little trick. You can use that with vacuum filling pens sometimes. That can work cool too, like a 
2ZBVAC700R. It can be handy, but um, in the case that I'm gonna use here, say I have a, I don't know, something else where I can't do that, right? I'm failing to think of something that doesn't have a removable nib at the moment, but they're definitely out there. So I'm gonna take my piston and I'm gonna extend it all the way up, just as if I would if I was going to fill it from bottle. So what I'm gonna do here, you know, it requires you to know a little bit about how the pen works, but um, you know, basically you need to know where the filler hole is for your nib. Now, if you've got fins like this Twisby here, you can saturate the ink you know, in the fins and it'll kind of work its way down and that's fine, but it's, it's, it can be more effective if you know where the filler hole is so that you can really get it right in there. Um, but basically I'm going to just take, and I'm going to expel just a little bit of that ink out. Oh, I'm going to drop it on my hands, which is going to be great. Yeah. And then you'll want to saturate the, the feed. Oh boy. I'm dripping more on my hands. Okay. So <laughs> I'm making a huge mess. And then you just pull a little bit down into the thing. You know, a pipette would give you more drop control. Oh my you know gosh. That, right? Oh, shut it. Shut it, you. <laughs> <laughs> I am making a huge mess. What is wrong with me? Oh my gosh. This is a, a disaster. Few, a few, a few cast ago, Brian and I debated whether this or not This is a terrible to... idea. Why am I even doing this? <laughs> you know, I've never tried to do it with this pen. It is not working super great with this pen. Okay, there we go. Now it's got in. Maybe it's hey, you've it. got a drop in there. I think I was holding it too far back. Okay, so it's going to require a little bit of experimentation. Drew with his little pipette. Okay. I tell you, All right, there drop we control. Go. Now I go in a little bit. It's basically a painstaking process. Oh, see, now I'm bottomed it out. Oh, uh -oh. now it's going to come out too much. Oh, no. Okay, I got to get back in there. All right, this is... Well, you get... I think the concept is... is uh, no, I, I have to I have to actually of, accomplish oh God, this now for my own All ego. Right. My hands are covered in ink. I got it on my desk. So <laughs> do this over your sink because... You or do it like slightly, like like completely um, parallel to the uh, to the floor or the desk. You're kind of you're holding it up so that no, that's what that was why it dripped all over me before because it was just rolling oh. right off the nib. If I hold oh, it up, oh, I see. Yeah, that's see. that's the thing is like other pens I've used before, like the Pelicans, they do better if you hold it at a at more of a flat angle. This one oh, does better okay. if you. Okay, so there we go. Now oh. I'm, I'm getting it. So I'm saturating the feed basically. I think I'm like out of ink in this thing now. I've gotten more on my hands than I have in the actual pen. You okay. know what? Sometimes that we happens. We get the concept. This is a terrible way to do it. Look at what's on my hand <laughs> right now. I have never failed this much at a demonstration before, but we're recording this in one take. And oh, this yeah. Is I kind of love it. You know, one, one time I was wow. answering comments on YouTube, Brian, and somebody said, you know, be professional like how, why would why would you have ink all over your hands like clearly you're not you don't know what you're doing who said we're and, professional well also like if uh, i would say that the most experienced fountain pen user is no stranger to inky fingers or inky hands i mean come on it usually yeah. just means that you just don't care and you're just kind of like you know just screwing around because you don't have time to wash your hands you're just yeah, yeah you you're know in it you know an ink splatter is our company logo right like, yeah come on we now. did that very intentionally for it's a reason a, for me it is pride it's like hey i've been doing some stuff today man i've been doing some swabs i've been just yeah you know cleaning without worrying about my fingers you know it just i mean yeah. it even happens if you if you if you're using a, a paper towel to blot your ink like sometimes it goes through the paper towel and gets on your fingers it like, does eh, whatever it is doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong you're being careful you're just not like whatever inky fingers it's cool if your hands look like this you're doing something wrong you're doing something right Badge of honor. No, I was not doing this right. I was doing <laughs> I'm trying this to give wrong. you some credit. <laughs> no, don't give me credit. This is a shameful. 
<laughs> if your hands look like this, this is troublesome. People will think you have something wrong, especially if you, you're using the wrong color. If you're using like a red or a pink or something like yeah. that, people will be concerned for you. This looks kind of cool. And it kind of like complements my ring well too. Uh, it looks kind of neat, but this is- It's a, all under the ring too. Love oh, it. it's everywhere. You can like, it's like working its way like through the vein, like the, 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 the little, not the veins, the, what do you call those things? Like the wrinkles in my hand. Yeah. yeah. This is sure. this is ridiculous. But I think you did I think you did you a did great it. job. I don't think anybody wants to try this now because I've demonstrated <laughs> it so bad. You've done this you've done this successfully on another video, I'm pretty sure. I have literally never done it worse than this. This is yeah. the biggest You've done this before. This is the biggest syringe filling fail that I've ever had and I'm so glad that it happened on a pencast. So The pencast. Welcome to Authentic pen life. Love it. Oh, it's delightful. It's delightful. You should know that no matter how much experience you have, you can still epically fail with your ink filling. But that's the concept anyway. It's definitely going to work better with some pens than others, but it should be your last resort because it's the worst. Hooray! Moving on to the pen spotlight, the Conklin Crescent Filler. All right, Drew. You got All a lot right. to say this, on this one. Drew this 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 comes from no uh, notes in here. No oh, notes. Oh well, you know, I I I know what my feelings are about the Conklin Crescent Filler. <laughs> this came to us from YouTube Land. It was recommended mm. that we talk about the Conklin Crescent Filler, and it's a unique pen, Brian. It is. It our, is. It, I mean, it is. Okay, historically, the Conklin Crescent Filler is mm-hmm. the first self-filling fountain pen ever invented, right? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I'm going to go ahead and say it 100% definite. I'm never wrong um, until someone tells me I am. So, yeah, that's a big deal. And Conklin's still making them. It is the only pen that the Goulet Pen Company is currently selling that is a bladder filling pen. It's got a rubbery, some sort of sack situation in there. And the crescent has a bar. Some sort of sack situation. Some sort of rubbery sack. Yes, sir. Wow. The crescent is attached to a bar that then kind of presses down on said sack and then the ink goes all up in there. So... It's a different sensation, you know. When you when you're hitting the button, it's kind of just like up and down, up and down, up and down. But then when you actually suck the ink, the crescent's like, and you mm-hmm. see it rise in a different way, and you, that's when you know you got some. So yeah. it's an interesting pen for sure. And it's having, uh, to, it's having to work. Yeah. If, you, it's, if yeah. it's got no ink, then you're just you're just depressing that bladder, and then it's just it's just sucking yeah. in air. But when, as soon as you put it to ink, it's like, yeah. It's to you work. can tell when you got some. That's yeah. how you know it's working. Yeah, but, and you got to uh, do it a couple times. I will say, what's hard about this filling mechanism is you have no visual gauge. Nope. Other than the speed of which the bladder is like rebounding, right? You have yeah. no visual gauge for how much ink has actually gotten into the pen, which is probably my single biggest frustration is that you don't have any visual cues to go off of, which is not uncommon for, for most pens, but you know, it's not like a piston filling pen where you have a little more control as you do it. You pretty much just... You just have to do it a bunch of times until you're absolutely certain you've gotten it in there. Yeah. And they, they Conklin also calls it the Mark Twain Crescent Filler because uh, the author was a fan of this pen. And the chased black Conklin Crescent Filler is more or less the same design as the original. So that chased black design is mm-hmm. pretty iconic as well. So if you're looking for a pen that is pretty faithfully recreating you know one of the more iconic popular pens from you know the dawn of fountain pendum 
Parker Parker did release a, a new 51 kind of recently mm-hmm. um, to to mix responses from what I've heard. I, I've never used one, so I can't say. But I can say that this one, you know, what, it's still what doesn't a have Conklin mi- pen. What, what doesn't have mixed responses? Right, exactly. <laughs> Especially anything like, you know, uh, Estabrook brought back a the JR. They're not calling it the J specifically, but that that is a kind of, you know, holdover from an original vintage design. Um, and they're not trying to make it exactly. It's more of a spiritual successor. Inspired, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Conklin Crescent Filler is kind of in that same vein. It's a spiritual yeah. successor of a very original, <coughs> iconic design. So mm-hmm. certainly unique among the offerings just by nature of the uh, unique filling mechanism. Yeah. But uh, overall, it's, it's, it's a pretty solid pen, and it's got a great fan base. Everybody who gets it, it does, seems yeah. to be pretty happy with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some folks are a little confused as to kind of the positioning of the cap uh if it is a multi-start cap thread so if you thread it on and the crescent isn't aligned with the clip just do it a couple more times it'll eventually get there yeah yeah the the only thing that's kind of weird for me is is like you said that that positioning like depending on how you hold it and how it lands in your hand there's pretty much almost no way for you not to feel something on the barrel because either that you'll have the crescent part or you'll have the ring that kind of locks the crescent in may be seated somewhere on your hand. So that's probably like one of the only complaints I hear from some people. And it's it's kind of a personal preference thing. It depends how it falls in your hand. Um, but some that bothers some people. And the cat it's a really long pen. So if you want to post it, especially if you have like one of the heavier, like a metal version of the pen, it can really feel back weighted. So if you're like a diehard pen poster, you may not love some versions. The resin version I think would be okay. It's still kind of long. Um, you know, but I think it's the kind of thing like those who really like this style of pen, they like it and they'll get multiple versions of it and they'll kind of have a, they've got a, you know, maybe smaller but loyal fan base behind it. But there's a reason why you don't see a lot of other pen companies doing this design is because it doesn't have like total universal appeal. You know, it's it's more of a, I don't know, it's got a, a more of like a cult following kind of a thing. Sort of like you have certain movies that or video games or whatever that people really like. It's not universal appeal, but those are love it, really love it, and they kind of like little subculture sort of a thing. Um, but it's yeah. definitely got historical historical significance, yeah. I think that's very true. And it, you might be one of those people, so um, check it out. We've got yeah. plenty of more information on our product pages. It comes in several different colors, and if you'd like to compare sizes, you can check out our Nib Nook, that puts it side to side next to any pen of your choice that we currently carry. Yeah. Uh, so you can see whether or not it would fit in your hand. Yeah. And I would say, you know, because it's called a crescent filler, but essentially in essence, it's similar to every other bladder filling pen. You know, every other pen that has an ink bladder or an ink sack in there, they all fill with basically the same principle. Like you, a lever filler. Yeah. You know, you're, lever filler. You're compressing. Coin- Coin filler, button filler, all these things all fill the same principle, which is you have a collapsible sack where the ink is held in the pen and the action of collapsing it and, you know, means that you, when you release it, it creates a vacuum pressure, which sucks the ink up in there. So the principle works the same, whether the way of depressing the bladder can vary on different pens. So it has all the inherent, you know, potential quirks and intricacies that you would have with any bladder fill pen so if you know that you can deal with those quirks of any bladder filling pen you know you may love this pen but if you've never used it before there's nothing that's revolutionary about it particularly now with other filling mechanisms that you're going to be like wow where has this been all my life it's more like wow this is kind of cool and quirky you know but it's i'm not going to say it's superior to almost any other modern filling mechanism because it's 
not, in my opinion. No. It's no. more it was, just it like... Was, but I was groundbreaking at one time. But I have a couple, and I'm like, hey, this is cool. It's different. It's unique, and that kind of thing. I'm glad I have some, but it's not it's not my daily writer, but that's okay. Yeah. There you go. It's a fun pen. Cool. All right. Now we get to talk about absolute nonsense. What is happening in our lives? You know what's interesting about this pen cast, Brian? You know what episode this is, right? 38. 38. Um, I will be turning 38 on Sunday. What? Isn't that weird? The week before I turn 38 or the same week, it's episode 38, 38, 38. We planned it that way, Drew, from How the beginning. That? We were like, uh, if so, we go from the beginning, yeah. then it'll end up exactly on 38. I'm telling you. So I'm just, I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself for the influx of wisdom that will rush into my brain on Sunday. So um, that would be nice. That would yeah. be nice. I'm really, really looking forward to that. For I'm you just, specifically, uh, that would be nice. Yeah, 37, 37 yeah. years of ignorance. I'm just kind of over it. I'm ready for the uh, ready for the wisdom. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I will say, uh, I, I felt mentally at peace on Friday because I don't know if you know about this, but the Goulet Pen Company gave all of its team members the half day paid for mental health reasons. So mm. I took advantage of that and I went home. My seeds had come in the mail for my vegetables and uh, herbs, nice. and I sat down, and you know, with the sunlight coming in through the through the bay windows at my table, and just did all my seeds starting. Got mm. a little, did my soil and my little twelve little twelve cell starter kit, and it was just delightful. It was a nice. wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Time well spent. Uh, I've, we're doing, you know, the usual tomatoes and some peas and some herbs and stuff like that. Not getting too crazy this year. Last year, I, I tried to do some weird stuff, and that didn't work out well at all. Not doing any broccoli this year. Broccoli sucked. Squirrels ate mm. all my strawberries, so not doing any of that. I'm, keep, I'm keeping it simple. Doing the ones that were really successful last year. I tell you. Whether taking it's bagels, ba- taking strawberries. Scones. Nothing Man. is off limits with these things. No. They're just they're maniacs. Mm. Crazy squirrels. So that was delightful. I had a really, really nice Friday. Um, really nice half day. And then that that got, got me ready for the uh, craziness that was the Baltimore Pen Show on yeah. Saturday. So I woke up early, drove up to Baltimore Saturday morning, and spent the day at the Pen Show. And that was my first time going to the Baltimore Show, and it was quite delightful, quite an experience. Nice. Um, the drive up was pretty nasty. It was rain in Virginia, and then yeah, wintry got, mix in we DC. Snow. We got snow here that day, and, and then legit snow in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's snowed. In, it, was, it snowed in Virginia too. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, yeah. I, I, I just I got the whole the whole three versions of winter precipitation on my nope. drive up. We're done. And We're it done was with that. Windy. It was like one of those drives where like the wind is actually like moving your car. Oh, yeah, it was like forty mile an hour gusts of wind. It was. Crazy. Oh my god. So I was like. It would have been fine if I just was able to put one hand on the wheel. I'm like, come on, can't I just have a relaxing drive? Nope, got to be ready for these, you know, moments. So that was kind of dumb. But at mm. the show, it was nice. Saw a lot of pen friends. Got to talk to our delightful vendors, and overall, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. How big and, is that uh, show? Because I've never been to Baltimore either. How large? Like, how many tables would you guess? Um, it's one big room, so okay. it's kind of hard to like compare versus some place like Atlanta, which does the whole multi-room thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say um, it's about the size of Atlanta if you kind of combined it all. Okay. It's a pretty it's a pretty big room, a okay. big ballroom, um, for sure. Bigger than Raleigh, because you've been to Raleigh. A bigger, times. yeah, bigger, bigger than Raleigh. Okay, yeah, yeah definitely bigger than Raleigh. Um, so okay, 
Not, not, not. It might actually be between Atlanta and DC. Now that I think about it, okay. it's just hard because Atlanta's more spread out. This is all in one room, so I, I, I initially want to compare it to DC just because okay. it's one big room. It's a, I think, a, probably a slightly smaller big room, but okay. It's pretty close to the main ballroom of DC without you know that secondary room. So if you were to fill that entire room with marshmallow peeps, how much do you think those peeps would weigh? I feel that's like that good, would give us a good idea. That's for a good question. Thing. And actually, I have that written yeah. down. I was ready for that. Um, okay. The answer yeah. is um, another, on another topic. I was uh, <laughs> talking. I, um, I'm pretty stressed out about pen cleaning right now, Brian. Because well, what do you have to be stressed out about pen cleaning? You only eat three because, times at a time. Because I'm 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 being reaff- I'm being my my choices being affirmed right now because I have ten pens inked up right here from a video that I shot yesterday, oh. and I'm just looking at them and it's just making me upset because I have to clean them and I'm reminded why mm. I live my life the way I do with my three pens inked up at a time limit because this is just just I'm. I don't even like looking at them. It's just it's it's this pile of responsibility laying on my desk, and <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know how many you have on your desk right now that you need to clean, but it's upsetting. Well, I one, don't, one I don't... more now, <laughs> and your desk itself. I did kind oh, of wipe man. it up while you were talking, but it's it could use a more thorough cleaning. Yeah. So yeah, there's this. So I I just I I would like to just say again. Three pens at a time is the way to go because this nonsense is unacceptable. I think you just Too many. should embrace it, Drew. Just embrace the oh, forever no. inky God, pen no. lifestyle. No, it's you've got easier, that covered. It's easier when you just that, embrace it, you know? Oh, man. So I, I just, I, I I will say that it's a little stressful just them, them being on my desk. I kind of want to hide them, but I know I can't because I need... I need to get it. You need the reminder. You need the visual reminder to clean them. <sighs> exactly. I, I do that. Do you do that where you put something like literally right in front of you? Oh, yeah. Because I know that you have some of the same mental proclivities as I do, where if it's not in front mm-hmm. of your face, it's basically not, doesn't exist. It's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. 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 I will so often th- clutter up a space so much that then I will just abandon that space and I'll just start working <laughs> somewhere else. And I'll like avoid going into that room. And then it comes to the yes. point where I walk in that room and I'm like, nope. And I just leave. <laughs> Or I need to find something and I like just tear it apart and it gets even more disorganized at that point. Or Rachel tries to help or somebody tries to help or yeah. one of my kids goes in there and is messing around with stuff. And then I'm like, well, this is hopeless now. Now it's a whole ha- project. Th- this is uh, a little bit of a deviation, but not much. I had a pen friend reach out to me recently about the three pen recommendation mm-hmm. and she fessed up that she has actually bought a pen because she didn't want to clean some of her others oh yeah has that happened to you i mean i'm i'm getting so many pens all the time anyway that yeah i can't really say no i've never gone to that extreme because i've never had every pen that i've had inked up right and then needed and not wanted to clean them i i I'm in a different situation. I have so many pens that I can I think always that, I find th- a new pen to ink on. I want to say that yeah. our customer care manager, Adrian, I think she told me one time that she's done that before because all of her pens were dirty. She's like, oh, I do want this pen and all my pens are dirty. Like it's, it wasn't like the sole reason, but it definitely played in. I mean, I've, I mean, I've bought like socks and underwear before because I know that I'm <laughs> not like, I haven't like gone to the store right. out of my way, but if I'm like whatever at Target or somewhere where socks are... <laughs> And I know in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I haven't done laundry yet. And I know I grabbed my last pair this morning. I'll, I'll, 
You know, because it's it's, like, it's a contributing factor. If it's ever, a contributing if ever, factor to the decision. Yeah, if I'm ever cutting it that close, I'm like, I probably just need more underwear. Like, I need to not be living that close to the edge. Fair enough. So I'll buy more underwear, more socks, or whatever. So I respect that. I think we've been you know, there. Has anybody else actually? You all of your pens are, are dirty, <laughs> and then you saw one. You're like, ah, oh, I want that. And all my pens are dirty too. So. Mm. Like maybe it wasn't the reason, yeah. but it definitely but was like, that. It's just a loose justification yeah, it's, for why it's you what get you it. needed. Yeah, it's what you needed to get you over the hump to buy a new pen. Yeah. Please let me know because I, I I find that I very I'm I'm sure at some point I've used that. I have a whole probably laundry list of loose justifications I can get to buying a new pen. <laughs> yes, you could easily throw that one in the mix. I'm sure I've used it at some point. Um, yeah, very good. There you go. That that, that puts a big old smile. Sounds on like you need more pens, that. Drew. I don't know. Um, I no. mean, yes, I do. <laughs> For different but, reasons. But, is, but that means one's getting cleaned and put away. There you go. All right. Uh, okay, so for me, um, you know, I have uh, like various, you know how you just have like some projects around your house, just little dumb things that you just let sit there for so long. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to knock some of these out because it was like, I love working outside. I get good exercise and all that, but the weather was awful this weekend here. It was cold and snowy and just gross high wind. I was like, it's just, there's nothing I'm going to do outside. that's going to be enjoyable. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to seize the opportunity to take care of some of this random stuff around the house that I've put off for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. So we have, um, two years ago, we bought new lights for like our bathroom and our closet and stuff like that. We already have working lights in there. So I've been under no pressure whatsoever to replace these things. Yeah. But for, <laughs> for like a year and a half, you know, I had all these things. We didn't have like a nightstand in like our, our guest room or whatever. And so like Rachel's parents would come and stay and they didn't have anywhere to put their stuff. So I had like taken all the lights and like stacked them on top of each other, still in the boxes and like put like a, a bed sheet over it to make like a nightstand kind of thing. Oh, so talking nice. about the like out of sight, out of mind thing, I like for well over a year, never even thought about these lights. Cause I don't even go in that room hardly Oh yeah, ever. and they're covered with a blanket. And they were serving a purpose. I was like, oh, now, my God. now it's actually serving a function and I would have to go get a nightstand and then replace the thing so i was like ah it's fine so long story short this stuff has been sitting there forever and it was to the point where rachel actually got a nightstand and then was like brian you need you need to now move these because they can't move your ghetto nightstand out of here so i like put them in in my closet and i've been like stacking my hamper on top of it because i was like well i have the hamper but then there's like dead vertical space above the hamper if i like put the lights under the hamper you know so i have the hamper like eye level almost (laughs) and i've just been taking (laughs) clothes and like throwing them in there but like those lights have just been there and they've just like been a fixture in my closet for like six eight months i don't know so i just look at them and it's like yeah well they're sort of serving a purpose they're not really in the way you know but i was like okay let me let me work on this so i i installed one of the lights it took longer than i would hope for various reasons it was one of those things where like you know you replaced like light fixtures before oh yeah i hate it it's like this little pedestal so it's got like a pedestal thing it's like a hanging light and it's got a glass bowl and oh this whole i thing. hate it so much it looks I good rachel it. picked out good lamps and all that kind of stuff and we you know we did it together whatever but like she was more gung-ho about it than me because i'm the one that's gonna install them but you know anyway it looks fine but you know i'm like 
I'm literally just taking a light and making it look different. It's like not the most rewarding thing personally for yeah. me to do. And it's like the thing where you're like, you know, you're just going to be holding your arms up. The oh, entire I hate project. it. It makes you feel, it makes you feel so weak. I'm yeah. like, why can't, why can't I just hold something? Why, why my shoulders hurt so bad? I'm just trying, oh, like, I'm trying awful. to use a screwdriver and it's like, oh, I feel like. I'm That's why I hate it. That's why I hate yeah. it. It, makes, it frustrates me so much because. I, I tell you what's you a just, game, tell you what's a game changer though. So I bought this little bag. So this is like. I keep like basically a bag in my garage now. Cause you know me, I've got tools. I've got like a separate tool, you know, whole situation over there, but yeah. it's like, you got some tools. It's attached from my house and it's a whole thing. So actually in my garage, I keep, I think it's called like an electrician's tool bag. It's basically a small tool bag with a bunch of pockets in it. And it's got like a padded kind of a sling to it. And I keep like a couple different types of screwdrivers, measuring tape, you know, electrical tape, you know, that type of thing, a, a box cutter. I keep all the little things that you need for these projects to like hang pictures and, you know, I keep like wire nuts and stuff for like electrical projects like this. So I keep all that just in this bag at all times so that when I start a project like this, literally I just grab this bag from the garage and I have it like slung over my shoulder. So whatever the project is that I'm working on inside the house, I basically have all the tools with me at my arm's reach. So if I'm getting like up and down a lot, it's annoying because it's like slung over me. But if I'm working on something like this, I'm not like resting a screwdriver on top of the toilet tank that then rolls off into the trash can and like that's the really annoying stuff so i do have a pretty efficient system for it but it still took me longer than i thought but anyway i need i need something i I need a tool that like it's like some sort of tension rod that i can put between the Mm. the ladder and the fixture be it a fan or something that just holds it up there for me that's what i want i want someone it should it has like a a bowl sort of grip on the top side mm. and then just a platform and I just need yeah. to like boop, boop, boop. so it just holds it up and I don't even need to hold it all I need to do is just screw it up there that's what I need someone to invent for me we uh, yeah it's a good idea Drew yeah it's a good idea um, so yeah I did that I did another fun project this was cool because I got to recruit Joseph into it so it's like all right all right getting to train my my kids a little bit I offered it to Ellie too, and she had no interest. Ne- She's like, neg- "How much am I? How, mu- how much you paying me?" No, not didn't even have an interest in pay. I, I pay. Oh wow! I, I pay the kids to help me with stuff, and they also get okay. to learn. But you know, usually Ed, Ellie is all about some uh, getting some cheddar. She normally is, but not in this case. You know, uh, okay. um, so. Uh, funny circumstance. So we have a, you know, my kids have a bathroom that they share, you know, and they shower and stuff like that. And they never turn the fan on. It's just like, what is wrong with you? Are you allergic to the fan? Like you walk through the hallway and you're like, what the heck happened in this bathroom? And you're like, slam the door, like turn the fan on. But the fan, like, I wasn't sure if you were talking about the condensation from the shower or both other. Okay. Sometimes both together at the same time and then you're like oh this is like <laughs> oh god i don't know what it is swamp about like the swampy moisture shower air but it just makes bad smells oh yes so absolutely oh 100 percent. so it's a whole thing with my kids and i was like you know what i really don't want to like fight my kids on this so i was like let me see if i can find some solutions so what i found is a switch that you can replace the switch with it's a moisture sensing switch so if they're showering oh. and they don't have the fan on then it'll automatically turn it on if the moisture gets to a certain level. And I was like, this is what I need. So I there replaced, you go. So I do, they, do, they have a, do they have a stank sensing switch? <sighs> they don't. So I was thinking about, that... <laughs> I was thinking about just wiring it right into the light so, yeah. that, so that you could do it. But they have like two different lights and it's a whole yeah, thing. So I, I was like, I don't, yeah, two-way switches are beyond me. I never, yeah. I never do those right. I screwed one up one time and I've never tried it again. Yeah. 
But it's cool because this, this, this switch also has like a countdown timer on it. So if you hit the button to manually turn the switch on, it'll automatically shut itself off after whatever, 30 minutes or something. Nice. So if there, there, is, a, if there is a stink, I can hit the button or whatever, or anybody can, you know, but I'm usually the one that notices it. So I can hit the button and then leave it be and don't have to think about it the rest of the day, as opposed to like, you know, I'm starting the work day. Oh, it smells awful. Let me hit the fan. And then I come home and it's like still on. I'm like, well, I'm just sucking hair conditioning right off the house. <laughs> so anyway, so that was fun. So Joseph and I, and, and the fan itself, we had to actually replace too. And I will say, was really putting off that project for a long time. Mm. The fan, our house is like 25 years old, you know, so it's the original fan in there. And the kids called it the demon fan because it sounded like it was like whenever they turned it on, <laughs> it sounded awful. So they called it the demon fan. So I was I like, all right, it. we'll replace the demon fan. But I just did like, it was the kind of thing is like, all right, I'm exercise the demon fan. And this is like, it's again, it's one of those above your head, shoulder kind of projects. It's in the bathroom. It's like right above the toilet. So I can't even like put a stepladder right there it's like mm. i gotta have it off so i'm like leaning and, and it's just like i was not excited about this project so i was like i was at home depot and i was like let me just let me just buy a replacement fan i have no idea if it's the right thing but i'm already here like i never i haven't I, I keep forgetting to pick it up and think of it because i was like oh i should really take out the existing fan figure out what the heck it is go try to find a replacement and it just was like so much of a project i just resisted ever starting it so i was at home depot i was like screw it i'm just gonna get a replacement fan motor i'm gonna figure out see if i can make it work it probably won't and i'll probably have to return it but i'm already here so i'll just pick it up well i did that and i got home and the like the housing part was too big to fit just replace right in there but like the motor and all the components were identical so i was able to actually like take off the motor and just put it onto the other housing and I, and it worked. And I was like, wow, I almost never can just like randomly buy a part for something that goes in a bathroom and have it actually be able to work in the end. And Joseph was there with me the whole time. And I would, you know, I showed him how to shut off the electrical circuit and the panel and everything. And he was like learning all this stuff. And I was like, yes, like I nice. love teaching my kids stuff like that, but I have to like, really it's rare that they're like, willing and able and we have the time and yeah. you know it's the kind of thing that they are interested in you know so that really worked out and i was like sweet so we got rid of the demon fan there's no more swampy pooping happening in the bathroom anymore <laughs> and joseph got to learn some stuff it was just it was a great project all around i'm very excited that about i can i completely understand uh as far as i know the uh i've lived in my house for about a year and a half now um as far as i know the current owners of my previous house still have a aftermarket bathroom fan motor zip tied into the housing oh, oh gosh so uh, I, mean, I, I get you it's hard to find those parts zip and ties i looked up for a while they should be all right. I, I looked oh yeah i'm not pretty it, there are several zip ties uh, in there um i looked at the model like this is it i found compatibility yeah like, and, but still no but still no it's no Probably because yeah. whoever installed the previous one did some crazy thing to fit it in. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, it, 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 it's in there. Yeah, there you go. It works. As long as it gets yeah. out the stank, then you're fine. Uh, but yeah, moisture sensing and timered fan controls. That's a thing. There you it's go. It's not, not that expensive either. Anyway, um, another cool thing, we watched the movie Encanto with our kids. So 
According to Ellie, she was the last kid in her class to have seen this movie and everybody's been singing the songs and all that kind of stuff. So watch that. It was pretty cool. The music was obviously the best part. Visually, it was yeah. pretty stunning too. So the storyline yeah, story I was like, yeah, okay, there's some holes here. But I can I completely agree. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, the, the, like, the, the songs are insanely catchy, but as yeah. far as other Disney movies go, like, psh, does not hold a candle to any of the greater stories. Ha <laughs> ha, hold a candle. That's a nod to the movie there. No, yeah. I mean, visually and musically, it was just, it was very, it was very entertaining, very enjoyable. Yeah. So now we all have this freaking song stuck in our head constantly. Um, but it's cool. Um, also, welded some stuff, you know? Mm. So that's a thing. I, I bought a welder last year. This was a total like, I just want to learn how to weld, watch YouTube videos. I have never welded it before. My father doesn't know how to weld, so he never taught me. I don't have an uncle that, I mean, I have uncles that weld, but they don't live anywhere near them. Never learned it growing up. So literally it was just like, I just want to know how to weld and I just got to like teach myself. So I literally did. And now I'm like getting more confident welding some stuff. But this one was like, I have a trailer that I like haul, I can haul like some pretty heavy things on it. And I wanted to weld some like big like rings to be able to strap stuff to it. And I was like, okay, there will be like, some like structural like stuff going on. This is not like a superficial weld. This will be like, I will be tying things down and driving down the road with this thing. So I have to really know what I'm doing. So I've, I like bought these rings like six months ago and I just haven't like, I've wanted to like practice and do other little projects first before I felt confident enough to do welds that were this structural. So I've been working on that. I've like six of these rings to weld on and I've done a lot of the prep and all that. And I've welded two on so far and they're rock solid. I feel awesome about it. So I'm like, that's been my new like, as I have like half an hour here, I'm like, oh, I can weld one more ring on. I can't get like a dedicated four hours or whatever to do the whole thing. But, you know, I've been able to like get it in here and there. So anyway, I'm enjoying it. I'm a handy guy and I like doing handy things. And I don't know, welding is just, it's dirty and nasty. And like, I like woodworking much better than working in metal, but metal is pretty cool. Cause you're like, I'm literally fusing metal together. Like this, this arc is as bright and as hot as the sun. Like there's like a really cool, like, inherent feeling you get when you're working with this stuff it's also terrifying because then like sparks are going everywhere and you get it on your skin and you're like oh my gosh that hurts so bad anyway <laughs> i'm very safe actually that's very rare that that happens but still i don't know it's kind of interesting welding's cool um and then last thing i just thought it was kind of fun because i uh I found a great household use for our silicon grease that we normally i'm reading use. this here and yeah I, I... so um uh there's a story here we have a hamster her name is olivia and, uh, you know, she has the spiritual successor to our hamster, Hammy, who was a dear sweetheart of a hamster, but the laziest animal I think I have ever seen. Like, I think I saw Hammy on his wheel maybe twice in his life. So we have these hamster wheels, but they were basically untouched. So Olivia comes along. She's a total spaz. And she, like 11 o'clock rolls around, she wakes up and she is just like running through the cage constantly, jumping on the wheel and just going nuts on the wheel. Like she probably clocks like six hours a night on this wheel. So what happened, it's like a plastic wheel, you know? So what happened is she was like wearing away the wheel and it was like squeaking and making these noises and stuff to the point where the kids... Not that they really want to go to sleep when they do anyway, but they're like, I can hear Olivia on the wheel, you know, like making up any lame excuse to not have to go to bed. Right. So, but I mean, it was legit. Like you could, you could hear it. So I was like, you know what, you know, what might work some 
Gulay silicon grease. There we go. So food, I, some food I, grade silicone grease. I clean the wheel because she brings all kinds of crap in there and poops in it and pees in it all the time. It's disgusting. So we clean it on the reg. But now whenever I need to reassemble the wheel, put a little bit of silicone grease on that little plastic axle that's in there. And it is like smooth sailing. It's like stealth wheel nice. operation. And I was like, heck yeah. And it's all food grade safe, all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to worry about that. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And doesn't need a lot. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of grease. Just a little bit. Just, just, a, just a, little, a little bit. A little bit. A little but yeah. Bit. So I thought that was kind of fun. Hey, it's not every day I got to use like pen stuff for random household needs. But if you need to grease your hamster wheel, silicon grease will do it to perfection. Fantastic. And that's what's been going on in my life. I just saw silicone <laughs> greased our hamster wheel. All right. Well, <laughs> that's not a metaphor. It's quite literal. Um, all right, I uh, got a quick company update for you. Not much, but it's something. All right, well, uh, for those of you that know, March 14th is considered Pi Day, which 3.141596, whatever the heck the numbers are, I don't actually know. But 3.14 is, is math, Pi, whatever. And uh, so we bought some uh, pizza pies for everybody at the office. It was cool. And yes. Like we have a lot of people still working remotely. So, you know, there weren't all that many people. So we were like, let's just buy a medium pizza for everybody that's in the building. Yes. <laughs> so Drew was there. He's like, oh my God. He's like, I very much enjoyed having an entire medium pizza to myself. Oh, it was so wonderful. So <laughs> they sent out a, they sent, of course, you know, Goulet is just always so considered, like sent out a survey so everybody could fill in what they like the most. And at the bottom was like, if you could make your own pizza, what would it be? I was like, all right, well, no one's ever going to do this because I like a pan pizza, extra cheese, and then also cheddar, and then also jalapenos. I'm like, no one's ever going to be, I'm not going to get this, but whatever, I'll do it. <laughs> so this comes around. They're like, hey, we're just going to get everybody their own pizza. And I was like, wait, what? You're like, so wait, I'm getting I my, get my I'm getting, pizza. <laughs> I'm getting my pizza, which my wife never wants to have. So I never get my pizza. So I just was sitting there at the, in the break room with the thing just open. I'm just eating the pizza right out of the cardboard, <laughs> like just an living, animal. living life at its best. Uh, That's awesome. And then, you know, so I only, I ate half the pizza that one day at lunch. <laughs> and then the next day I take this pizza home. It's like, hey, Shan, how you doing? And then I ate the other half of the pizza after warming it up in the oven for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm feeling great, man. I don't even care. It's like there are some times where your body tries to say, no, 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 don't do not do this. And your mind is like, no, screw you. This is delightful. You can no, shut you, up. You want this. You want right. this. Right. So that that's where I am. I'm like, I don't even care. My stomach tries to be like, mur, mur, mur. I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. This is delightful. You can shut it. You'll you'll you're gonna do this again and you're you will, gonna like it. Yeah, so you will like this. You will like I'm telling you, will. you, sometimes you just need to will that away. I'm like, no, you're not taking this from me. You are know, not going much, to associate anything negative with this glorious moment. As much Taco Bell and Bojangles and uh Waffle uh, House and stuff that you put into your body, Drew. Give I it imagine, to me. I imagine give you're it familiar to me. with this process of willing I tell your body. You, I have to just I just shut it down. I'm like, don't even don't you give me that don't you give me that sass. Wow. I don't want to hear it. Which is funny because looking at the two of us, you wouldn't think that you're the one that is doing this more. You would think that I am, but no, it's it's mostly Drew. It's all it's a mental game, Brian. You just got to crush it with your mind vice. Yeah, <laughs> that's not true at all. <laughs> it's not true. I, I did. I, I did, wish it was. Yeah. I did. I did have one person um, write into the uh, pencast email and just the all all the uh, wait. It might have just been a YouTube comment. I don't know. Either way, um, Kate sent a message that just said Waffle House is the best restaurant ever. The end. 
I'm like, you know what? How delightful is that? That just someone watches the pencast and it's like, I'm going to just write. I'm going to take time out of my day to write Drew a letter that says, yes, you are correct. Waffle House is amazing. And I'm like, that, that, that's, that's wonderful. That's what awesome. a great job I have where I can talk about Waffle House and <laughs> get an email about Waffle House. Like, man, I'll tell uh, you. I don't know about that. No. This is, Waffle, just, this, this is it. Waffle House is better than, it's better than it has the reputation for, I will admit. It is. All right. That's what we got going on in the company. No, I think that's all, pretty much all we got. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. All right, everybody. That's what we got for episode 38. Everybody, happy birthday, Drew. Happy birthday to you. Never officially said that, but... Thank you. You know? I'll take you to Waffle House sometime soon. You can celebrate me. You know what? When we went to the Atlanta show last time, this was several years ago, Drew and I... That was the only time I've actually eaten at a Waffle House with Drew. And I ate there and I was like, okay. Like, this is this is actually not bad. Like, this is not as bad as I make fun of you for it. Like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> as so, everything that you make fun of me for. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Not, I don't, not I'm, actually that bad, ever. Nothing's ever that bad. I just do it no. because it's fun. It's fun to make, <laughs> make fun of Drew. Um, anyway, I want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. We got a bunch of things. We need some, uh, you know, pen, uh, some not pen suggestions. I mean, we'll always take pen suggestions for the tips, thing, tips we of the tip week. Tip of the week suggestions. Yeah, as well and as... And let us know if you yeah. use water to store your pens in. We want to know about that as well. Yes, and there was something else, wasn't there? I don't remember. That was just like two hours ago. But anyway, be sure to check out GooleyPens.com for all of your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. You can email us at pencast at And my random fact, which is truly random today, is that a single cow can make roughly 200,000 glasses of milk in its lifetime one cow i have no frame of reference for that but it sounds like a lot that is twelve thousand five hundred gallons of milk it's a lot of milk one cow that's a lot of milk incomprehensible it's pretty incredible so anyway there you go that's what i got for you today thanks everybody and we will catch you on the next one right on